from days of long ago. From uncharted regions of the universe comes a legend. Joe's podcast episode 248 after action report gi joe comic guide i'm your host ryan and welcome back everyone yes uh back very quickly i know the last episode uh grub and i did uh you know we just had that out just a few days ago but this was really important to get out because time is of the essence when it comes to this episode uh wanted i'm going to be introducing these guys in a couple uh seconds here but there is this uh, Kickstarter that's out there, and you guys know I only bring up Kickstarters on the show when I think it's something that's really important, something you guys would really be interested in. Um, and I came across this in one of the G.I. Joe groups I'm in, and I was like, yeah, we need this, and my listeners need to know about this. And these guys, uh, unlike some other times when I've had other Kickstarters on, it's usually someone reaching out to me saying, hey, would you be willing to have me on the show and stuff like that? And you guys know I only agree to that if I think it's something worthwhile. Um, so I don't agree to everybody. However, this is the reverse of that. I reached out to these guys and said, hey, would you be willing to come on the show and talk about your Kickstarter? Because I think this is something my listeners really, really want and uh, really need in the community. So I want to welcome to the show uh, jo- uh, Josh Egavine and uh, Roger and Dean Taft. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you very much for having us on. Thanks Hi, for this is Josh. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. yeah. Um, so give us the, uh, we'll, we'll get into the details of the project, but give us the elevator pitch, whichever one of you guys want to do it, uh, just briefly what this is, because I could describe it, but it's best to come from you guys. So okay. uh, I guess I'll cover that. I'm Roger. Uh, I've been planning this for about 22 years, <laughs> but they kept coming out with more damn comics. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a little hard to keep up. Uh, but uh, the gist of it is, uh, basically, it's what's on our flyer right at the uh, right at the front. It's everything you ever wanted to know about G.I. Joe comics, period. That's that's what we're after. Uh, there's 
there's comics that G.I. Joe collectors just seem to be totally unaware of. Uh, there's reprints that aren't marked as reprints. There's international uh, books that aren't well known. There's countries that people don't even realize published books. Uh, we're going to try and get that all out in the public through roughly nine volumes. We don't know the exact number yet, but each volume will focus on a different era or uh, or segment of the collecting genre, I guess. Uh, so at least one book will be focused entirely on the international books. Uh, maybe two, depending on how it breaks up, uh, leaning more towards one, but it could be two. And probably four for IDW and one for Devil's Due. And the first one now is for Marvel, and we'll see where it goes from there. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, and that's exactly why I wanted to have you guys on the show, because as longtime listeners know, we started off as a purely comic book podcast. Like, we were covering Star Wars, G.I. Joe, Transformers, all the 80s properties, but we were focused on the comics, not only current day stuff, but also looking back at these classic Marvel series and everything else. So, um, and we still are go- working our way through a lot of that. Uh, you guys don't know this, but what, uh, one of the things we do is we call, uh, the Kessel Run, which is we will go back to old, uh, classic runs. So the G.I. Joe Marvel run and everything else, and we cover issue by issue, do a whole, we go, page by page, panel by panel, and talk about what's okay. going on and, and everything else. We're up to issue 18, I want to say, right now, when it comes to that. So we're still in the early stages of reviewing it on the show, but um, absolutely love uh, doing this type of stuff. So this project was right up the alley for any of our listeners here. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So, um, what so I, yeah. one thing, so the, like basically what our Kickstarter is right now, and this is the shorter pitch is basically just a volume that covers all the covers, uh, direct market, newsstand, any other variant, all the way from 1982 to 1980 to 1996. So this is volume one, the Marvel era. That's what this Kickstarter is about. That's awesome. Very cool. Um, now I want my listeners to kind of get to know you guys because you guys I know are heavy into Joe. You love GI Joe. Um, and so to a lot of our listeners and myself included, um, so, uh, the, the show wouldn't be called star Joe's if Joe wasn't part of it. So Absolutely. it's at least half of it. It's at least half of it. So, um, so when it comes to GI Joe, I'm going to, I'll, I'll kind of, we'll go alphabetical order. So we'll start with Josh and then we'll go to Roger. Sure. Uh, and then later on we'll flip that. But, uh, Josh, uh, what was, the first thing that got you into Joe, like as a kid and everything else, like what was the thing that grabbed you and, and didn't let go? So, you know, I, I'm lucky enough to be old enough that in 1982, when they, when they came out, uh, GI Joe came out, um, you know, the first thing I found was the issue number five, it's tanks for the memories. Yeah. So I was a comic guy first. And then I got the toys as a kid. Of course, like most of people, my generation, I started off with Star Wars and collecting Star Wars toys and all that stuff. And then when, you know, Return of the Jedi kind of faded into G.I. Joe. So it was natural to become a G.I. Joe collector. So I got all the toys. I did have the USS flag. My parents gave it to me as a Christmas gift. Uh, I actually slept on it when I was a kid. So I did have a lot of the toys. But as, you know, we got older and I got in. So uh, basically in 1982, I started collecting the comic books and and uh never stopped um then as i got into high school like most of us i sold the toys stopped collecting the toys i did keep my figures though and i never stopped collecting the comics 
Um, at the time, too, I was collecting other ones, Marvel titles like X-Men, Superman, Man of Steel, and the Wolverine. So I was collecting more than just G.I. Joe. Um, and then as as we got closer to the final run of number 155 in the special, by then I was only just collecting G.I. Joe. And then, you know, of course, that's when the series ended. So I kind of stopped collecting comics. I did pick up the Dark Horse ones, but then I was basically comic book free and G.I. Joe free until Devil's Due came about. Um, and, they, so, and they caught and all I of us to, at that point, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm, it's very much the exact same trend for a whole lot of people. Um, and so I actually walked into a comic book store in Chicago, which happened to be across the street from where Devil's Due was writing the book, but I didn't know it at the time. And um, saw the number three cover with Zartan on it, and I was like, oh, my God, G.I. Joe comic books are back, so... Just like in the past, I bought them all, and then, but this this is when eBay was around. Yeah. So now I went on eBay, and I looked it up the other day. My very first eBay purchase was the num- number uh, GI Joe in 3D one to six because I didn't have those, but I so I didn't have those when I was a kid. Um, but uh, you know, like at the time, I just collected what the comic book shops gave me. But now I, so then I started being a completist. Yeah. And I realized I was a completist as a kid, but now I'm a total completist. International, any language, any version, all that stuff. So I end up now I have about uh, forty-seven hundred or forty-eight hundred just GI Joe related comics. That's awesome. Which includes like Battle Action Force and Action Force, and then. Me and Roger have known each other a long time, and you know, as he said, as he said, he this has been his idea. He contacted me, and I was like, "Sure, let's do it." <laughs> so, two things with that, Josh. One, uh, you are my USS flag brother because I had one as a kid, also, uh, and, nice. and I have yet to talk to. I did too. <laughs> oh, nice. I I have yet, this is amazing because I have yet to talk to a single person. I'm, I've done this show for ten years. I have yet to talk to a person that also owned a USS flag. So now I'm talking to two guys that owned a USS I, flag. <laughs> I did get mine used, but I did get it while I was still in high school. Hey, there you go. That's all that matters. <laughs> Um, and I've often told on the show what my dad did as a kid is he was disappointed that it wasn't an actual vehicle. So what he did is he mounted it onto a board and put dolly wheels on the bottom of it so you could wheel it around and everything. So there I am as a little kid wheeling this seven-foot thing <laughs> monstrosity around. <laughs> um, and then I also looked at my eBay uh, history and everything else. And uh, not my first purchase on eBay, but my first purchase on the eBay app was the Tomax and Zaymot uh, comic two pack, so I got the okay. figures with the the comic uh, insert in the back. So, um, and I actually I know Roger, you and I were talking earlier about comic pages and and artwork mm-hmm. and everything else. I actually own uh, a page from that Tomax and Zamot comic that okay, Jeremy cool. Dale did. So um, excellent, yeah. Nice. So that's yeah. that's a nice prized possession of, of mine. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, like I said, that that was that's actually a treat for me to have two guys that own the USS flag because that never happens. <laughs> I, I got mine at a garage sale for ten bucks. Oh wow! <laughs> you got us all beat. You got us all beat. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, is that the one I sold mine at a garage sale? So. <laughs> really? yeah. Maybe that was the one. Ten bucks. Yeah, it yeah. probably was. Yeah. Mine mine was given to I mentioned it many times on the show, but I, I mine was given to a, a my dad knew someone that he worked with who was neighbor was a single mom and she couldn't afford to give her kid a 
stuff for Christmas. So I was yeah. like, you guys were talking about, I was growing out of toys and I was like, here, here's all my GI Joe stuff. And he got the USS flag and, and everything else. And I, yeah, I just have to, I have these fond thoughts that, the, that I, that kid just grew up with the most amazing childhood because of that. So <laughs> we all did it. Generation X. We all did. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, very Generation X focused on this show. <laughs> uh, Roger, how about you? What was uh, what was your first exposure to Joe, and like, uh, what what were the things that kind of grabbed you when it came to GI Joe? The short answer is GI Joe number one. Okay. Uh, the slightly longer answer. <laughs> um, I was a Star Wars kid and a garage sale kid. I mean, we got a lot of toys at garage sales. And in the late seventies, I had a 12 inch GI Joe with a, with the, te- with the big defender tank, the yeah. giant one. And, uh, I don't think I really knew what GI Joe was, but I already had it. And then I got the GI Joe number one because dad bought it. Um, he was in Vietnam and part of his coping was reading about stories of, of military action. Sure. And, uh, he thought it was going to be a hardcore adult book. And guess what? It's not. <laughs> <laughs> so you know he was expecting sergeant rock and that kind of thing and, uh, and things like you know, that he got a yeah. toy advertisement <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh he gave it to me and i'd already quote unquote read comic books but i it was looking at the pictures at that point you know yeah but um i actually read that book for the first time that was the first book i remember reading cover to cover wow uh before that it was just a random word bubble here and there or whatever looked cool in the page sure. but i read the entire thing and i absolutely loved it and really just never looked back Very nice. so that's the yeah. short version of the long version <laughs> no that's good that's good um so Josh, uh, how big was your collection as a kid? Like, did you have every comic that came out? Did you have every toy that came out? Or, like, how how big was Joe in your life as a kid? So, I'd say up to about 1987, I had just about every retail version of the toys and figures that I could get my hands on. I lived in Oklahoma at the time, a small town, so I'm sure there's stuff in other bigger cities. Um, And, of course, I got all the comic books. Every, you know, sub-series, Order of Battle, Special Mission. Um, I had never even heard of Action Force at the time, um, and I didn't even understand direct market and newsstand or second print or Canadian. I had no idea about that yeah. um, at the time. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so up until 1987, I, I pretty much got everything G.I. Joe, and that was like my freshman year in high school. But like I said, I never stopped collecting the comic books. My comic book shop always had them for me. And whenever I'd go to uh, Tulsa, which was the big city near my little town, um, I would go get my comics, even in high school. And then in college, I, I ended up going to Syracuse. And so I found a comic shop there during college that got me my comic through throughout there. But it was only G.I. Joe at that time. Right. So up until 95 or 6, I basically only had... Uh, like my comic box, and that was just the Marvel stuff. So, uh, you know, I mean, it was maybe three boxes, four boxes, yeah. maybe. Um, and then, as I said earlier, when Devils do go, I had to buy mass mass amount of boxes. <laughs> <laughs> Roger, how about for you when you were a kid? Like, uh, how big was your Joe collection? I, I mean, I know for both of you, your Joe collections are huge now, but like when you were a kid, how big was it for you? Yeah. Uh, even back then, it was huge. Okay. Um, 
Yeah. Um, grandma tended to buy me about 60 to 70 percent of it every Christmas. Nice. Whatever was out, she'd just get it. And uh, so I had most of it. I, I did have all the comics right up to the end at the time. Um, but for me, it was eight, uh, 82 through 91. Uh, you know, that was my childhood. But then I graduated high school and instead of the normal path of college, well, I did go to college, but uh, instead of the regular path for most people, I went straight into a comic shop and had my own comic shop from 91 to 93 or so. Nice. And uh, so I was able to you know, get the final issues through my own shop including the special that came out while we were open. Um, the uh, sum total of the collection got pretty massive by that point. Yeah. Um, through my adult years, I I did get to a point where it was a small warehouse, uh, <laughs> and that's no exaggeration. Yeah, no. <laughs> we, we had a <laughs> we had a we had a big gap between the first store and the second store, but uh, that one was in. The first one was in Wyoming. The second store eventually opened in 2005 or so, and that was in Kentucky. Um, that building was a, a storefront downtown with an apartment upstairs and a warehouse in back, all in one building. Wow. And about a third of that warehouse was just my toy collection. Wow. Um, That's awesome. But eventually, eventually I, we uh, did make some financial mistakes and went bankrupt. And about a uh, two thirds of that went away, and they they are probably still available somewhat. <laughs> um, Chris Neal, the toy department, bought it from me, and uh, it was a very large purchase in one day. Yeah, uh, regret selling it because well, I had to sell it. There yeah. was no no choice at that point. But what I sold that day is worth considerably more today. Yeah, <laughs> and that was yeah. about ten years ago. Yeah, so. But at the time, G.I. Joe was in a very downward slump, so it seemed like the right move at the time. Yeah, uh, well, and, and the nice thing that's going on right now is uh, with the classified going on, the movie, uh, Snake Eyes movie coming up, it seems like Joe's getting a nice resurgence, which is a nice yeah. thing for your guys' book to be coming out now. Yeah. Uh, like, I think it's a perfect timing for it. Um, so when it comes to toys, and we're going to get more into comics and everything else in a bit, but when it comes to toys, it seems like everyone has the year that they just love the most uh, as far as a particular year that these were all the toys that really kind of defined me as a Joe person or whatever. Just, these were the ones I love for you guys, uh, Josh, you first, uh, what year would you say when it comes to the toys is like, this is, this is my year for GI Joe. This was the best stuff came out this year. See, see, this is funny because like, so even though I collected all the, the toys, like I don't collect them anymore. Yeah. So I'm just all comics, right? A hundred percent comics. Um, and I, I think of it more along the lines of my favorite characters sure. when they came out, because yeah. I don't really do that. So like my favorite characters were like the, the, the snake eyes version two tunnel rat. Yeah. Right. And tunnel rat. Yeah. And, those I think I think those are maybe eighty five or eighty seven. I don't know. You guys, yeah. other people yeah. probably can yeah. name instantly yeah. what year they're <laughs> in. But um, so so for for me though, it was like those when those characters came out. That's when I really loved. I really loved playing with those those ones. And that's awesome. You know, I keep I've picked up a couple versions of them here and there. But other than that, like you know, for me, it's the comic time of of like. 26 and 27 the snake eyes origin 
And then, you know, like when Cobra Commander returns, those are the the real issues that I always like, oh, this is awesome. So I kind of think of it more that way than sure. based on the toy. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. No, that's totally fine. Cause, and I will say, and you guys might be the same way, and, and Roger, I'll get your answer in a second here. But uh, for me, and I've, I think I've mentioned this on the show many times, which is that um, the toys were always a representation of the stories that I loved. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So, like, my toys go on display to remind me of, oh, yeah, this happened with that character in this story, whether mm-hmm. it's the comic, a cartoon, whatever. So that's that's what it's always been for me. Uh, Roger, how about for you? Was there a particular year for Joe that you were like, this is a this is the awesome year? Sort of, sort of not. Okay. Um, I, I, a lot of people have like that that year where it ended for them, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that year where it jumped the shark. For me, that it never ended. I I just kept going. Right. I just even into the neon years, I kept going. Uh, I, I do have a least favorite year. That'd be 89. Okay. <laughs> 89 and into 90, not a good good time. No, no. <laughs> Some bad figures that year. Um, but I, I would have to say if I have to pick a year, I would go with 87. Okay. Uh, Outback's my favorite character, and that's that's 87. That's well, awesome. a f- favorite figure would be a better way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe not so much character, <laughs> but but it's a great, very well-sculpted figure, and I really like that figure. Yeah. I've got a, a carded run of him from uh, international releases. They've done so. some. They've done some cool things with the character too, especially in more recent yeah. years and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, especially with the uh, the the zombie stuff that yeah. the, the club the did. Flying that club was pretty stuff. Cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's so I like that. That was a good version of the character. Absolutely. Um. So we talked about how you know you you grow up and and you you kind of move on to you know girls and life and jobs and all that stuff. What brought you, I, I know you never left Joe, but what brought you back to, okay, full-time Joe? This is, I'm, you know, was there anything particular going on in your life? Was there something particular that happened? Josh, I, it sounds like it was kind of the uh, devil's do thing that brought you all of a sudden, like, full tilt back. 100% straight into being a completist from seeing that dark cover. It was like, oh, oh my God, yeah, Joe's back. I'm back. Let me get them all. <laughs> I still can't get them all. Try it. <laughs> That's awesome. Roger, how about for you? What was the thing that kind of really made you go full tilt in your adult life? To- um, yeah, like you said, I never really left, but uh, the there was definitely a lull after Extreme. I, I didn't have as much interest in Extreme. I did get them, sure. mostly on clearance. Sure. Yeah, I didn't buy them outright. Right. <laughs> but uh, I've since really got a fondness for Extreme. But um, I would say eBay was what brought me back. Okay. Um, probably 87 or 97-ish, right around there, and I started saying, wow, there's international stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, I knew there was international stuff. It wasn't so much that I wasn't aware of it, but I could find it. You know, that was the whole point. Right. I could suddenly buy stuff that wasn't available and I could get it from England or Japan or wherever. Uh, so getting getting the figures and the comics from other countries, that, that's what brought it back to me. Yeah, that's very um, cool. I, you know, eBay's recently done that 25-year promotion yep. where if you been there all that time they kind of give you a little synopsis uh, i looked over that and it, it was for me it was totally wrong they didn't get it right oh. at all. <laughs> they put me at like 2002 for my thir- first purchase and i know it was like 1997 oh wow okay 
(laughs) So I don't know what was wrong there. But the first thing I remember buying, and I was desperate to get it because I thought I'd never see another one, uh, was one of the uh, hardbound British Action Force annuals. Oh, nice. I don't remember which of the several it was, but I saw it and I was like, I'm never going to see one of these again. Well, I, to, to your point, I've only heard of them. I've never seen one before. So. Yeah. But they're, for a long time, they were readily available on yeah. eBay. But at the time, it was like the only one listed. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I got ha- I have to have yeah, this. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, so my next question is, and, and you might, and depending on the answer, you might be already answering the question I would have after this with this answer. Okay. What was the toughest comic for you guys to get? Like the, the one in the Joe run that was just the most difficult to track down, the most difficult to find, but you did find it and you got it. Okay. Um, for me, nothing in the original run because I got it all originally. Okay. Um, so that that just doesn't even count. Sure. Um, I'd say the hardest one is the ones we haven't found. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, in general, it's the Asian comics. Okay. Those are just really, really hard to track down. For one thing, I don't speak any Ang- Asian languages at all, so sure. a little hard to type in the right terms to find. Them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as far as the ones that. I have that were hard to track down. I'd have to go with the Egyptian comics. Okay. There's only the four issues, and luckily I got all four of them at once. Um, and it was because a friend tipped me off that they were on eBay and they were cheap, and somehow I got them for nothing. Wow, so that's awesome. Uh, beyond that, some of the ones I think Josh doesn't have. Uh, I have a couple of. <laughs> you always have to rub in the ones that Josh doesn't have. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> got a couple of the fun school issues okay um, the regular just reprints of the comics but they're produced by fun, fun school. school yeah honestly i don't even remember how i got them it was probably in a trade or something yeah never so. seen them on ebay yeah they, they definitely don't come up often at all yeah so i was just looking those, those may be the most impossible to find ones that i have yeah but uh, the egyptian ones were the hardest for me to find to actually obtain i was just looking up a fun school uh street hawk figures recently mm-hmm. because someone in the star joe's group posted the street hawk uh, like a history of street hawk the tv show and how they oh, yeah. how they tied that into joe on one of these foreign uh cards and everything else just because gi joe was big right then they used a snake eyes figure as the street hawk yeah, figure yeah yeah it was <laughs> it was crazy and that the it's crazy expensive to get of course so yeah and back then it wasn't you could get those for like 20 bucks right yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly yeah josh how about, matter which of it. how about for you what was what's the most what has been the most difficult comic for you to obtain that you have in your huge collection there <laughs> well i mean the when i like i started doing you know realizing that there was direct markets newsstands and second prints yeah um, this was probably early 2000s when I would have just met Roger and he's the one who kind of like pointed it out to me that there was alternate versions that they printed. And so then I was like trying to, you know, track those down in, you know, in the 2000s when nobody listed like newsstand right. or, you know, direct or direct, you know, direct market or labeled it with anything like that. So it was really, those tended to be hard to find, but then once, I got them. I was like, oh, now I know what to look for. And then you look at the picture uh, on the eBay and you're like, okay, that's like a 75 cent one. So that's Canadian. Yeah. You know, they don't know it, 
but like so, so tracking down the Canadian ones um and again I was doing that in the 2000s um and had most of them probably by 2010 or something like that right um and uh so then uh that so that that was quite difficult only because you couldn't search for those words you had to literally look by the picture and be like okay there you know because I knew what I was looking for but right and, and you know, so that was you know, that was a multiple year process. I mean, now you can just type in newsstand and it'll come it up, right, right up. Yeah. 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 You know, to type that in, people are looking for that. But at the time, it wasn't, what it wasn't even something that really people knew about a whole lot. And that's right. part of the reason why we're doing this book because people still don't even realize what they're, when they're looking at covers, right. You know, all these different versions. And so, as like I said, I would just literally open all these pictures and look at the picture and and so that was quite difficult and time consuming but of course isn't that the fun of collecting absolutely (laughs) it's it's part of the hunt and and the the thing is too the nice thing was back then since they didn't know a whole lot about those different differences between them i'm sure the prices were a little bit more manageable back then than they are now where people know what they have and they go oh this is a lot more rare so i'm gonna up the price on it so yeah yeah so speaking, and I should backtrack a little yeah. bit there. Uh, since Josh brought up the differences between direct market and newsstand, uh, those last ten newsstand variants, I I still don't have most of those. So I guess technically I am having a hard time filling those. Nice, out. yeah, yeah. <laughs> one fifty four, one fifty five. Those are especially hard to get, and it's mostly just a question of cost. Yeah, you know, they're so expensive at this point. Yeah, so. for sure. So speaking of hunting. Uh, issues down. Uh, it, it's a great segue into the question I, I thought you might already answer by me asking the last one, which is you guys have worked together on a little project, which was the hunt for the second printing of twenty issue 21, the classic 21. So, this is true. So yeah. tell, tell us a little about that whole thing, because until you guys actually mentioned it, I had never. I still didn't know that there was a second print of that. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, technically, I guess that is the hardest one because I still haven't gotten one. Yeah. <laughs> it's impossible to find. But Josh, you started it. Uh, go for it. So the you know during the the early part of the COVID shutdown, I was like everybody's stuck at home, and I'd always trying to figure out about the the number twenty one second print. So basically, the story is is that. The, the number 21 came out for the first print, uh, newsprint, Canadian price, and newsstand. And then there's no printing that says second printing. And then there's a third printing that's common to find. So, you know, in theory, if you have a first print and a third print, there should be a second print. And, of course, the, the printing is down in the indica of the first page right. of the book. So, And th- there's many G.I. Joe comic books that have second printing, and there's only a couple that have third. But um, so th- this number 21, second printing, had never been found. I mean, like from, you know, 1984 when that movie came – or not that movie, the book came out. Yeah. <laughs> the, the movie's coming out next year. Uh, <laughs> I wish it came out in 1984. But, uh, so, so, so I, you know, I'm talking with other comic book people. Nobody knew anything. Nobody could figure it out. You know what I mean? How do you find out? You know, and like common sense says that there had to be a second print if there's a first and third. And right. again, so we basically, me and Roger, who, you know, we've known each other for 20 years and worked on Yojo together a little bit back in the 2000s. And then, you know, I've, I, part of what also what I've done has been the Yojo comic book man, uh, uh, editor. So all, a lot of the summaries that you read and stuff like that. So I'd done that. Um, and that's how, you know, I came up with this 
idea of let, let's see if we can send it out to the world and all these people are sitting at home during COVID, then go look in their box and maybe right. we'll find one. Right. You know, yeah. because what it took was literally pulling the comic book out and opening it and looking in the inside and looking for the advertisements because that was the only way to find it. You can't just look on eBay and look at the cover. Yeah. Because the cover, like the, if the, the, if this, there's two, the, in the, um, direct markets box, there's a white Spidey and a black Spidey. The black Spidey head is third print and the white Spidey head is, uh, direct market, you know, first release, first print. So somewhere in between there, there had to be something. Right. Um, so we put together, so Roger and I basically, you know, put our heads together and came up with all the different things and talked about it and sent it out to the world. And, uh, we found two and a half, uh, two, <laughs> yeah. people, two people confirmed it and the other person sent a blurry video that we were unable to confirm. <laughs> And Roger actually got to see one of them. Um, yeah, nice. And so yeah, it turned out to be right near my neighborhood, basically. Oh, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm in Wildwood, Florida. He was in uh, Orlando, Florida, about an hour away. Yeah, so. that's amazing. So, yeah. So, yeah, go ahead and describe what you saw, because that, that way you can explain the find. Um, really, it looks like a third print, period. But it's a third print without the words third print in it. That's what it comes down to. Oh, wow. Um, that was the only difference between the two. If you look in the Indica, there is no indication of second or third printing written where it should be. Uh, so it's definitely not a first printing because it has all the ads from the third printing. Right. But and if you look at the uh, I call it the cross cell. Some people call it the uh, what's your term for it, uh, Josh? Uh, the the uh, I can't the bullpen. Think. Yeah, the bullpen page. The uh, I don't know. Just the bullpen page. What I've yeah, I guess you've most often referred to the bullpen, yeah. But I, I call it the cross-sell because that's what they tend to call it in, a to in the toy industry. Right. Um, but the list of comics that are being sold that month, if you look at the G.I. Joe listing and it says 21 and you're holding 21, then you're holding the first print. But if it says like 36, 47, whatever else, whatever other number it is, then it's not a first print. Right. Because obviously it came out at a later date. And that's... You know, that, that cross-sell, I think it's number 36 that's in that issue? 37. 37. 37? Okay, 37 for uh, for the reprint on number on the, the third print. So for some reason, the second print and the third print are identical, including the cross-sell. Oh, wow. So uh, why, we don't really know, but there's at least something that is a placeholder for a second print yeah. in lieu of something that actually says second print. Right, <laughs> so, right. So it may so, just be a third print variant, but it is it does exist as something other than a third print. That's awesome. So in theory, if anybody ever finds a G.I. Joe number 21 and they look at the bullpen cross sell page and it doesn't say 37 or 21, you have a second print that Absolutely. is an un, uh, that has never been found like that. Wow. So go look in your boxes right now, everybody who's listening. I'm sure they are right now. <laughs> They're like, yeah, holy I crap, I thought I had a third like print. And then they went and looked yeah. and I'm like, nope. <laughs> yep. So we, we actually, during the, the COVID shutdown, when we did this announcement, we had something like about 200 people throughout the different websites and things like that confirm that they went and looked in their box and nobody found it except for, uh, two people. The other one is the Roger saw one, and then another guy had got one. Um, actually, it was a CGC style, but it was like PDX or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And 
his his was confirmed as not having anything in the indica by the company, but it you know it's like a third third string, you know, yeah, right. CDC type thing. So in theory, there's and then like I said, that we had the blurry video. So really, out of you know two or three hundred people hunting, there's only found three, and those guys, those two people already knew about it. Yeah, they were mm-hmm. collecting. So yeah, and, they were yeah, actively so, hunting. They were actively hunting and had had them for uh, – well, one guy found it recently in a comic book shop. Yeah, was by, the, the guy I talked to was a year and a half ago maybe. Okay. And it was here in Florida. So Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so I was, I was so close to it. <laughs> and I'm sure that – I'm sure wherever he bought it from, if, if he bought it from a, a comic shop or something like that, the comic shop probably just yeah. thought they just had a third printing. and More than likely. Yeah. Or, or they thought it was a, maybe a second printing right. or maybe a first printing. Yeah. But, who knows? Yeah. Whatever it was, they had a price accordingly, and yeah. <laughs> he got it for a good price. <laughs> so that leads us into what you guys are doing now, which that obviously relates exactly into what you're doing now with this Kickstarter. Yeah. So uh, what kind of inspired you guys to do this book? I know we kind of touched on it a little bit, but what was finally like, okay, let we, we, we need this as Joe Collectors. Like, What made you finally say, okay, let's do this? Well, uh, since I started, I guess I'll go first on this sure. one. Um, I did... I've always wanted to write a G.I. Joe book on something. Um, honestly, I wanted to do a complete everything book. Uh, eventually, I found that Air was doing a complete everything book and not getting there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, when I saw the videos about her collection and saw the scope of her collection, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, I'm not going to make it. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> there's no way I'm catching up to her and she's not getting there. So, so I decided that that that's just a pipe dream, not going to happen. So I eventually thought, well, maybe I'll just do like a segment and, uh, comics are a fairly logical one. They're fairly organized and they haven't really been touched by any, anybody. So the roots of it go back about 22 years, about 1998 or so. Uh, and then the reality set in around 2007 ish. Yeah. And uh, then I kind of settled on on just the comics for the most part. Maybe a few other options, but comics were the most prominent one. And I by that time, Devils Do and IDW. Well, I forget what year IDW started, but they just kept coming out. You know, it was like, how do I produce a book that's all inclusive if they just keep coming oh, out? Right. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, and eventually it got to the point where there was no way it was going to be one volume, which was the original intent. I was looking at like 400 pages in one book. Yeah. Um, then it got to be like three books of 400 pages. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's just, yeah, we'll just do it in piecemeal. Yeah. 144 or so, you know, 128 to 160, depending on how much content there is. Um, but yeah, we just got to piece it together and do it one volume at a time. Because by the time we're done, IDW is not going to be done. So, right. assuming they still have the license, we'll have to, we'll still have more to put out. So, yeah. we'll just have to yeah. see how long they keep, continue going. Yeah, my my guess is what I would love to see at least happen with IDW, and I have nothing to back this up at all. So, listeners know that that I do know people in the comic industry, especially those tied to Joe. I do not know anything. I want to preface that. I don't, no one has told me anything, <laughs> but no crystal ball, right? No crystal ball, no insider things. But my, my hope and my guess is that maybe IDW is hoping that, that Hama will stay on Joe until issue 300 and then they might call it quits at that point. Um, 
My other thought is maybe get to 310, so this way you have 155 issues on one side, 155 issues on the other, but yeah, but I, yeah. I'd be happy if we got up to 300. Uh, I think that's nice a round number. nice round number yeah. to end on, yeah. So um, so what can what can backers expect from this book? Like, what content-wise, like, what are they going to find in this book? What's it going to entail? Like, how does it help them with their Joe collection? Um, well, we're going to cover all the variant covers, uh, the, the first prints, second prints, Canadian prints, um, uh, newsstand and direct market differences. Uh, it's amazing how often I talk to somebody that doesn't realize there are two different versions of yeah. direct market and newsstand. Um, they, they don't know why there's a barcode in the corner versus a, a Spider-Man. Right. Um, this first volume is going to focus on English language editions. And it's going to we call it the Marvel era, but it does end with the the Dark Horse run. So it's going to be G.I. Joe number one from Marvel all the way through the the second fourth issue, uh, the second volume, fourth issue of G.I. Joe Extreme. And that includes uh, all the Blackthorn issues, uh, the Marvel Age for issues, uh, at least on this side of the pond. Um, Yeah, the uh, the Treasury editions, the. um, drawing a blank on the word, <laughs> the little versions. Digest, yeah, yeah, yeah. It includes the digest versions. Um, at a wider scope, uh, Marvel published some. Well, Mar- more than one publisher had Canada. They had an English publisher and they had a French publisher, and Marvel was the American publisher. So we're going to include those books. Uh, as, as part of the Marvel run. And then later in the run, Australia did the same thing, and Marvel published the last, what, probably 40 or so issues of G.I. Joe mm-hmm. as Canadian, mm-hmm. as, as Australian price variants. Those are considerably harder to find than the Canadian ones, but we will do our best to include those. Yeah. <laughs> um, we don't know the exact start and stop time. That's kind of the yeah. beauty, beauty and challenge of international collecting. Sure. But also, three. We are in, in this volume. We're including all of the UK versions because, like I said, our criteria is is uh, English. So all the Action Force, the Action Force annuals, the Action Force specials, um, and um, at one point the Transformers UK comic had Action Force in it. Yep. So we'll have all of those nice. as well as the, there was a little small run of Incredible Hulk Presents UK that had G.I. Joe in it. So nice. these are all like things that most people probably don't even know about um, if they're collectors. So uh, we're including anything from the UK um, in this volume. That's awesome. Yeah, I didn't. That first I'm hearing about Hulk. So that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible Hulk Presents. Yeah. 12 yeah. issues. Hey, as, yeah. as I have often said on this show, I'm, I'm kind of that jack of all trades. I cover so many different 80s properties that I cannot be an expert yeah. on all of them. That's why I bring guys like you on the show to be the experts on the stuff that I am not an expert on. So. Understandable. Absolutely. <laughs> that's the ultimate thing with our book is like we want to have people who don't really know all these variants and all these things yeah. because Roger and I have spent so much time doing it that like we put this book out there and like, it's probably the first of its kind anywhere for any like property. Yeah. Like yeah. sure there's X-Men and Superman comic books out there, but they don't really do all this variance. No. And I'm sure there's very for those lines, but yeah. and I'm sure there's collectors for those, but they haven't done the book. So that's why we're doing this. And we want, 
especially for like toy collectors who maybe have all of what they want or they're kind of reached the end of their collecting for toys to like go down a new rabbit hole yeah. and collect G.I. Kokine books. And here's a guide to help you go down a rabbit hole. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, it is. And, and I, I 100%, I 100% agree with you like that. And that's why I was excited about this book was because this lets me go down those rabbit holes and, uh, I have a lot of listeners out there that uh, get angry and mad at me and let me know that they are angry that I sent them down a new rabbit hole. And all, <laughs> oh, no. and all I can and all I can say to all of you listening right now that are that I know are going to back this project is you're welcome for another one. <laughs> it is a deep rabbit hole. Yes, it is. <laughs> and Josh brings up a great point that the uh, X Men, Superman, Batman, none of them have an all inclusive guide yeah. to their books. Right. I'm not sure you could. I mean, look how many. Batman books right, there are. Right, right. Uh, G.I. Joe's just small enough where you could probably pull it off. Yeah. Uh, but all the books that are based on those comics are are more about the comic yeah. than a guide to the comics. Yeah. So history and, and characters and that kind of thing, we're focused on on the guide aspect of it. Yeah. Right. That's awesome. Another aspect, too, is we, we are reaching out to many of the uh, Marvel-era writers, pencilers, inkers, and, of course, Larry – and Jim Shooter and, you know, different other people that contributed to making the book to have some interviews and reflections in there, too. So it, it, it's a guidebook. It's a checklist. And it will have history of interviews. I mean, we're not doing like, you know, um, uh, like a deep dive into anything before 1982 in terms of Joe history like that. Sure. But just for the comics. And so, like, with those, I mean, like, there's a couple people, a couple artists like Rick Parker who probably – Pen, uh, he was the letterer for like over a hundred issues. Right. I mean, like definitely artists who worked on. So I don't even know if they've ever been interviewed or whatever. So we're going to try to reach out to them and see if we can get some reflections or interviews with them and put that in the book, which is yeah. something that's never really been seen either. And that is um, awesome because I, as someone who is now creating his own comic, like I can tell you how critical those people are, and. Mm -hmm how much they are overlooked. Like I've made it a point to let them know, like I love everything you do from the illustrator to the letterer, colorist, all that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. Like all those people are so important. And to your point, yeah, they probably have never been interviewed. They probably never been able to give their perspective on things. So that's, I am very looking much looking forward to that. Yeah. So, and those guys rarely even show up on the convention circuit. I mean, right. I, I get G.I. Joe comics autographed to every show I can get them autographed at. I always look at the list and see who's done what and look each artist and letterer and whatever is there up to see if they've done any G.I. Joe comics. And you know how often I find a letterer or a colorist? Yeah. Even an anchor, right. uh, it's not easy to find these guys. No, no. So. Now, you, you mentioned... That's why Facebook's so beautiful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I have connected with so many people that way. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so they're all still up. Yeah. You know, so you mentioned conventions, and that you guys just keep throwing up these softballs for me. I just keep knocking them back at you. Um, <laughs> so uh, you guys were recently at Joe Fest, uh, and yep. I know you guys were plugging the book there and everything else. What, how was how was it, and how was the fan reaction to what you guys are looking to do? Go, Josh. <laughs> so, so I was like the floor salesman walking around with uh, these little ash cans, which are actually part of one of the rewards. Um, 
that we were giving out to people to show what the book was about. Like it had an interior design pages and things like that. And everybody kind of was similar to what Ryan, what you said, you're like, Oh my God, I've never even heard of this or I need this. I, and like stuff like that, where it's like, basically the, the idea is, is that, you know, we're giving the Joe community at Joe Fest, it, you know, the majority of people there were Joe fans and they were hunting for their little, toy variants with different colors and things like that or right. uh, you know all these different ones and nobody's hunting for comic books so like that was the nature of it so it went, went really well i think you know we we premiered the kickstarter just the day before or so and then we went to the joe fest and we did really well we got something like about 25 percent of our of our our goal um, on the first weekend, and as of right now, which is uh, we've got about 28 days left, um, we're at almost 50 percent. So Actually, as of now, we're at 52. Nice. I think we're 52 right now. Yeah. All right. So oh, no, yeah. 52 backers, but 52 I think backers. it's 50 percent. Yeah. Yeah. That's all yeah. it is. Yeah, and so, and so you know, and you know, most people are buying one book, or you can get an art print or something like that. So you know. And we had, like I said, we made up these little ash cans. And if you don't know what an ash can is, it's a it's a dated property thing because in the early 2000s they would make these little digest sized books that had three four pages that promoted the book. It's well before the internet and digital, well, not before the internet, but before digital and Facebook and all that stuff. Because they would they would print them out. So we thought, hey, you know what? This book's about comic variants. Let's make some variants. Yeah. So we have ash cans, and we have like a couple of different variants of the ash cans. That are part of the part of our giveaways, but um, in terms of handing them out personally, people would look at them and they'd be like, "This is amazing! I didn't know about this." Yeah. So uh, awesome. it just feeds into that. And you know, Roger was manning his booth, so he got to talk to people as they were, were hunting for toys. So you can talk a little bit about that. Well, yeah. one thing too, I, I will, let me uh, interject real quick. I will tell you again, timing is everything for you guys because ash cans are actually starting to make a comeback. Um, oh, are they? Yeah, I, I still I still collect comics, and uh, I got an ash can just recently of uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: The Last Ronin, which is supposed to come out with uh, Peter Laird and uh, Kevin Eastman once again doing turtles. And yeah, they did a three four page ash can edition. There was also like a Sleeping Beauties comic yeah. recently did ash can. So ash cans are actually back right now. So you, you again, t- awesome timeliness on your guys' part. So. Yeah. All right. Well, if you're if you're listening and you want an ash can, you got to be a backer. Yes. <laughs> and I'll correct Josh a little bit. Uh, ash cans actually go back to the 30s or so. Uh, oh, they really? just made a resurgence in the 90s and the early 2000s. So it just was a nice little promotional throwback that they did. But but the history of it is that uh, they would try to get the uh, the license the, the the copyright for the title. And they basically put together a cover, throw it on either an existing comic or just fold over some pages and take them down to the copyright office, get the copyright to prove that they had the book. Yeah. They've got the cover that's made with that title. <laughs> and they'd get the copyright, walk out, and they'd throw it in the ash can, and that's where it got its name. Oh, wow. So That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So they learn something every day. That's right. That's it's right. a nice history lesson there. That's awesome. <laughs> now, I may not have that all right, but that's, that's the gist general of idea. Yeah, we got it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, the show for me, uh, I was there as, as my business, Atomic Age Artifacts, and uh, selling toys all weekend. Um, it went really well. Uh, I, I handed out a lot of flyers, talked to a lot of people about the book. Um, Josh did the, the heavy lifting on that part because I was stuck at the booth most of the time, but, 
Yeah, I thought it went really well. The response was was excellent. Awesome. Um, a lot of times when you hand out a flyer. Or they're just like, oh, yeah, thanks, and they throw it in their bag or throw it away. Yeah. But a lot of people were directly engaging with it, and they were going, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. So, very, very cool. Yeah. So uh, you guys mentioned the ash can as being one of the rewards that they can get, along with the book, of course. The book's the most important thing. Um, what about uh, – and that was the one that appealed to me because, again, being a huge comic collector, having an ash can edition, I was, like, very excited about that. So yeah. – um, what other, uh, I know you have the book and that you guys have some deals on other ones. That you also, I saw, have like an art print. Uh, so mention what that is yeah. for people. Uh, well, we, we're trying to get an artist to do a, a, an era-appropriate artist for each volume. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to get somebody to do the, the art for the cover so that it's not a copywritten, already used piece for one. And it's, you know, more appealing just to have a new cover as it is. Uh, but the, the art print will be the, uh, the, the raw art of that, nice. whatever it ends up being. Um, I forget. Do we have two different art prints on there? I think we just settled on one art print. Just right? one, yes. Yeah. Just one. Yeah. So, if, so that's, if we, if we get funded, we might do it as a stretch goal, something like that. But, uh, yeah, it would be basically a, one of the more prominent artists from the eighties. And we might even get like an inker and a color from the different, interview people that we're talking about to see if we can do it so you know it would be a special cover uh it would just be a print of that so you can buy the print or you can do like a combo a book and a print or something like that um and those are that that, that's but ultimately right now at this point uh again we're you know the this is the middle of september we have not had a a confirmed artist to do it yet so we can't announce it sure but we're hoping to do that before the end of the Kickstarter, which should be a nice boom, uh, bump at the end, yeah. help us get to our goal and beyond. Very yeah. nice. Yeah. And then the, the ash can that's included in the, the highest goal, the, the highest uh, pledge, uh, that one will have the raw, raw pencils as the cover. Nice. Very so cool. Very, we'll very get cool. Both, both versions of it. Very cool. At least that's the intention. I mean, yeah. That, be the way yeah. Well, I know you guys also have it where you, if uh, if you get two books, you kind of get a discount on it because uh, yeah. the price is just a little bit lower versus what one would be by itself uh, if you had doubled yeah. it. So that's yeah. that's awesome. Um, you basically save five dollars a book if you do the the pledge for two books. Right. Yeah. Yep. And so uh, what I will tell people to urge, and I'll and I'll talk about it after we get through the firing range as well. But if you really want to know about this project. Uh, we have only, I've only touched on with these guys the information that they have on their Kickstarter. Like, there's some awesome information about them as the creators as well as the project itself. Um, you guys put together a very nice Kickstarter, and there's a lot of great information there. Um, That's great to know because we were winging it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really liked it because you could really sink your teeth into it, and any comic collector knows you you want a lot of a lot of stuff that you can really sink your teeth into. So there, so I urge people to go check it out. I will, uh, I'll mention this again at the end of the episode, but I, uh, I'll have a link right to the Kickstarter at starjoes.com. It'll be on our fan page. It'll be on our group page. It'll be on Twitter. It'll be on our Instagram. So anywhere you guys find Starjoes, you're going to find the link to, to this Kickstarter. Um, so, and, and if you don't, follow any of the social medias and you just listen to the podcast, then email starjoespodcast at gmail.com and I will send you the link 
Uh, if you're having a hard time finding it on Kickstarter, you should be able to find it pretty easily. Super easy to find. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but after action report on Kickstarter and it comes right up, there's nothing else. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So uh, so now we're gonna we're gonna go into our firing range uh, of questions. The firing range. So these are 10 questions for any new listeners out there. Uh, these are 10 questions that we ask anyone that we're having on for an interview. Uh, they are rapid fire, uh, typically this or that. Some of them are debates that we've had on the show. Some of them are just things tailored towards the guests uh, that we're having on the show. And um, you guys can answer them with the either or, or you could go completely off the map and give us a completely different answer. You answer these questions any way you want. <laughs> Uh, we've had some people do some creative answers, but some people just go with the two choices that they have. Um, well, Josh lives off the map, so I think but, that's going to be it. <laughs> there you go. So, um, so, uh, oh, boy, it's gonna be fun. yes, absolutely. This is, I've had guests that actually want to come back on the show just so they could do another session of this part of the show. <laughs> Sounds like fun. Then. Yes, yes. So, so uh, we'll start. We'll start with Roger for the first five, and then when we start with number six, we'll start with Josh. So it'll be Roger answers first, then Josh, and then, uh, like I said, we'll flip it around okay. for the other half. So, so Roger, uh, we ask. I know we're going to be focused on GI Joe for the rest of the for most of the rest of the firing range, but okay. uh, we always ask this question. Anytime we have a person on, this is the this is the qualifying question. Uh, okay. Star Wars or Star Trek? I knew that was going to be the question, and I've never listened to the story <laughs> show. Actually, I am firmly both. I've never deviated from either. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm 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 perfectly fine with either or. Okay. We'll kind of keep you on the show then for a little bit. So. Okay. <laughs> Josh, how about for you? Uh, I'm Star Wars. Okay. I'm actually part of a group in in Austin where I used to live. It's called Fan Force Austin Star Wars group, and we uh, basically did a lot of May Fourth events and all this stuff. And I'm always talking about it, you know. That's awesome. But I have seen all the Star Wars Star Trek movies. Yeah. But I'm really deep into Star Wars. Cool. I'm gonna jump in there. Yeah. Uh, to further reiterate Star Wars, my store's anniversary date is May the 4th. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I intentionally opened okay, on that Okay, we day. can continue with both of you on the show. I won't kick either one of you off. Uh, now, I, I have seen all the Star Trek movies. I like the Star Trek movies. I've just never gotten into the show. Uh, some of my co-hosts love Star Trek. Um, I'm just, I've never been a Star Trek person. So. I've watched, watched virtually every hour of all of both of them. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> Uh, Roger, uh, G.I. Joe or Cobra? Mm, generally G.I. Joe. Okay. Uh, if you get into specifics, maybe a few Cobra characters. You know, Destro's pretty prominent. Gotcha. So, okay. But yeah, overall G.I. Joe. Okay. Josh? G.I. Joe. One of my things that I like to always say about the comic books is this is what everybody loves about G.I. Joe. They want to see G.I. Joe win and like, you know, be what they were in the 80s. We don't want all these other comic book versions they keep coming out with, like where G.I. Joe is the, the the rebel group and Cobra's in charge. Nobody wants to see that. We want to see G.I. <laughs> Joe win. <laughs> uh, so uh, this is a uh, heated debate on the show for a very long time. Uh, my co-host is one way and I am the other way. So, Roger, Duke or Flint? Uh, Flint. Yeah, yeah. I, I like his character design better. 
and that Duke is fairly cookie cutter. Yeah. Josh, how about <laughs> Maybe for you? Maybe not when he came out, but he is now. Yeah. I mean, I, I, since I'm a comic guy, I always liked his comic comic book version. The cartoon version, uh, you know, kind of throws everybody off. I think a lot of people think about the cartoon version of Duke because he was mm-hmm. such the prominent character there. But in, in the comics, he's a pretty tough guy. I yeah. mean, like, you yeah. could think. But the, one of my favorite scenes is when Flint beats up all those eels and then comes in, uh, yeah. I think it's issue 45 or 40 something. He just takes on a whole bunch of eels and shows up all beaten up yeah. and tells the Joes that the Cobras are coming. Yeah. So that's pretty awesome scene. Yeah. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Flint guy. My co-host Chuck is a, a Duke guy, and that has been a debate since we started the show, so <laughs> 10 years ago. So, And people love bringing it up constantly. So uh, I love Duke. Duke is a great character, just not one of my yeah, favorites. Yeah, nothing against Duke. Yeah, nothing against Duke, just, just if yeah. I had to choose between the two. Uh, this, is a, this, believe it or not, is also a heated debate, and you're going to laugh when you hear what it is. Um, Roger, when it comes to muffins, blueberry or chocolate chip? Uh, chocolate chip, definitely. Okay. Josh, <laughs> no, no, no debate. <laughs> Josh, how about for you? Uh, I mean, blueberry's the traditional, the chocolate chip's the alternate, but I do like chocolate, but I would choose to choose uh, blueberry over chocolate. Okay. So I'm a chocolate <laughs> chip guy. Chuck is a blueberry guy. So, yeah. Um, all right, uh, last one with Roger going first. Uh, Snake Eyes or Storm Shadow? Uh, um, oh, that is a tough call. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, I I will say that my favorite versions of Snake Eyes are not the traditional ones. I, I go with version 3 and 4 over version 1 and 2. Okay. Uh, I also like the second version of Storm Shadow better. Okay. <laughs> the, the Ninja Force pattern. Um, overall, I'm going to go with Snake Eyes. Okay. Josh, how about for you? So, for me, as a comic guy, you know, it's always been about the tragic silent hero of Snake Eyes. I mean, the whole entire G.I. Joe story revolves around him. I mean, he's getting his own movie. Right. I mean, yes. like, you know, in the in the retaliation movie, they gave him a silent battle. You know what I mean? So it's like still to this day, his character is by far the most prominent of any anyone there's everybody has their favorites but like you can't argue with snake eyes being by far the most prominent yeah so i have to go with snake eyes okay uh so now we'll start with with josh for the second half of these uh favorite non-zartan dreadnought i always like buzzer okay mostly because he has a chainsaw as a weapon (laughs) (laughs) like like, you know, what do you do with that? I mean, like, you got to get close, but you can certainly tear apart a lot of stuff, but it's really kind of a useless weapon. Just for destruction is all he good. So I always thought, as a kid playing with that toy, I was like, this one, I'm just going to tear everything apart with. Nice, nice. Roger, how about for you? I, I've been partial to Buzzer myself, okay. but I think I'm going to go with my, my toy choices. And when I was a kid, I used to always... When I, when I was confronted with new hard choices for the new figures, I always went with the ones that had the most accessories, okay. and that was Ripper. Okay. Ripper had the biggest, bulkiest yeah. stuff with them, yeah. so I always liked him. Now, Mohawk was cool, so, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah I, I used to just have this question as, who was your favorite Dreadnought? And, and so many people just said Zartan, so I turned it into a, a non-Zartan <laughs> one. Uh, 
For me, for me, it That's was a good for me it was Torch because that was the figure I had as a kid. I had Torch and I had Thrasher with the the Thunder Machine, but uh, but yeah, Torch yeah. I always loved because of that. Um, favorite, uh, so okay, back to Josh. Uh, favorite Joe or Cobra animal? So the pets that they would have. Oh, it's easily Timber. Okay. Same reason it's I, I gave for Snake Eyes. Timber such a part of the Snake Eyes family. Yeah. It's like you know. Scarlet Stalkers, Storm Shadow, and Timber. Right. There you go. <laughs> Rod, how about for you? Uh, I'm going to go very contradictory and go with uh, Polly. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> In part because I re- while I was researching Joe Fest and looking at the artists, I came across this absurd cover of Polly underwater in a scuba suit, oh, and I just loved it. <laughs> And I, that artist, I don't think, actually was in attendance. But if he was, I was totally going to have him sketch that exact image. Wow. That's hilarious. That's awesome. Uh, all right. Uh, Josh, favorite Cobra Trooper type? Uh, so just uh, from, from the Polly thing, one yeah. of my favorite lines from all the cartoon was he's swimming underwater. It's a parrot swimming underwater. He comes up and he goes, I'm a parrot, not a duck. <laughs> See, right along the same lines. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm sorry. What was the question? So, no, that's okay. So, no, that's awesome. Uh, well worth the well worth the tangent there. Uh, so, favorite Cobra Trooper type? Um, I always liked the Arctic Trooper. I mean, it was pretty cool. I mean, like just the the design of the toy. I mean, I don't know if it ever appeared in the comic. Maybe. Oh, yeah, I think it appeared in one of the special missions. Maybe. But it was very rare. But I always liked the design. Yeah. I remember as a kid playing with that, that Arctic Trooper um, and just you being like... Snow, snow Serpent, yeah. Again, thanks for the, the, you know, the toy knowledge. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> and he did speak it prominently into some of the Action Force issues. So. Oh, that's awesome. oh, yes, you're right. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. So I always liked the design as a kid. Yeah, I just, it's a very it was, cool one. Cool. Yeah. Roger, how about for you? I'm going to go with uh, Night Viper. That that was just an amazing design with the flip over visor and the scope on it and nice. that, that shotgun that's strapped to the leg. That is just a really beautiful figure. Well sculpted, nice colors. Yeah. Really like that one. Nice. Oh. Uh, here's another off the wall one uh, for he, Josh. Uh, hamburger or hot dog? Uh, seeing that I just ate a hamburger before this, I'll go with hamburgers. Okay. <laughs> Roger, how about for you? Since nobody seems to know what's in a hot dog, I have to go with hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, my co-host one. This one came up because my co-host one time when we went to Five Guys uh, ordered a <laughs> hot dog, and I was like, "You don't go to Five Guys to order a hot no, dog." <laughs> In fact, they make. That's like going to Dairy Queen to order pie. Right, right. They, in fact, they make fun of the people that order hot dogs at Five Guys. If you've ever been there yeah. when someone orders one, they they ridicule the person. So, uh, all right, this is probably uh, this could be a tough question. I'm not sure, but it's the last question. Uh, Josh, uh, if you did not collect GI Joe, what other toy or comic property from your childhood would you be collecting? Uh, that's a tough one. I mean, I never, well, I mean, I guess if, well, Star, if I never stopped with Star Wars, I probably would have kept going with Star Wars. Okay. Um, obviously there was a big gap there until the, you know, the 90s when there was the power of the force toys really started coming out again. Yeah. 
So maybe that would have brought me back in if I had stayed with collecting Star Wars toys from a kid and never switched over to G.I. Joe. Okay. Uh, that's not my only guess, really. But definitely, if I wasn't collecting G.I. Joe comics, I'd probably be collecting Wolverine comics. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Roger, how about for you? Well, G.I. Joe definitely interrupted my Star Wars collection, so there is that. Um, <laughs> but honestly, I... I, I I collect a lot of stuff, and the main thing I collect that's not G.I. Joe is, like, pre-Star Wars sci-fi. Okay. Uh, I do a lot of Buck Rogers, Flash Gordon. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. The old uh, old robots, that, mostly from the 70s, not really, like, the tin wind-up ones. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I've got, like, a lot of the uh, the plastic spacemen from the 50s. Oh, those yeah. Things, those are just really cool-looking. That very 1950s movie sci-fi look. Yeah. And I just love that kind of stuff. I, I stay up late at night watching movies like that, so you know, that's like yeah. the only way to get figures from it. <laughs> Got a lot of robots and a lot of spaceships and stuff like that. So, Very nice. so yeah, the, my my short answer is Star Wars. My long answer is pre-Star Wars. Awesome. Hey, that works. That totally works. So you guys survived the firing range. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh, wait till you hear, if you listen back to the episode, wait till you hear the sound effect I throw in there for it. So, oh, <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, we're going to wrap things up here. Uh, as of this recording, I'm going to try to get this episode out tonight, as I had mentioned to you guys. Um, thankfully, I don't work on Saturday. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> I, thankfully, I don't work on Saturday, so, and I'm a night, I'm a night owl, so we're good. Um, there we go. <laughs> but, uh, as of this recording, we have uh, 27 days left, uh, and uh, that does not mean you wait till the last week. Uh, you guys no. all know the Kickstarter that I put together and went through, and thank God you guys didn't make me stress out the last week leading up to the due date. <laughs> Please don't make these guys stress out to the last minute, uh, because I know how much, it, you know, you watch that thing every day. I know how it is. Yeah. You look every day, go. Did yeah. we get more? Did we get more? Are, are we closer? Yeah. So let's help. Yeah, refresh is wait before me. I get a message. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, um, so help these guys get there early. Uh, let's get a boost to them. Uh, let's get them there uh, and uh, share it with other people. I know those of you listening have friends that are in uh, the GI Joe community. Please share it with them. Uh, I'm going to share it with other people that I know. Uh, outside of just the Star Joe's community uh, that I think would be interested in this. So um, please get it out there. Please back it. Please support it. Because we, to your guys' point, this is something that we need. There isn't anything like this really in comics, in yeah. general in comics. Maybe we'll start a revolution. Right, right. <laughs> so um, so let's, let's get it uh, supported. You'll be able to go to StarJoe's.com. It'll be in the link to it. will be in the show notes. Uh, so make it very easy for you guys. Like I said, it'll be on Facebook, it'll be on Twitter, it'll be on Instagram. Um, let's get these guys where they need to be. Uh, it, it, like I said, this this was something exciting when I saw it, and uh, hopefully when you guys see it, you'll you'll be excited also. Um, but uh, I appreciate both of you guys coming on, uh, and uh, I, I can't say enough. Uh, you guys have been awesome, been a lot of fun. Uh, so I hope you guys had a good time. Um, well, thanks for reaching out to us. It's been great. Yeah. yeah. No, any, yeah hey. You definitely have a good format, too. I like the firing range. That was fun. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> like, good, to, good to plug a book, but then you get to have some fun with the, why we are what we are as collectors. Right. You know, Absolutely. comic stories. Like, 
you know, there's something about our generation yep. and us that just love collecting. And, yep. you know, it, it's we got lucky. You got to grow up in a very prosperous time when there was a whole lot. There wasn't a whole lot of craziness, yep. you know, like goes on in our world these days. Yep. So we got G.I. Joe and Star Wars. Yep. I, I more than any other. Yep. And more than any other generation. We're the pop culture generation ab- when it gets down to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I've often joked on the show. I was five years old when the 80s started and 15 when it ended. So I was at the right age for all of these toy properties. Yeah. <laughs> um, generation yeah. X is perfect for that. So. Yeah. Um, I was four when Star Wars came out. Nice. So. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was, again, if, I, I consider. The end of Generation X, if you were alive when Return of the Jedi was in the theater, yeah. right? That's the end of Return, uh, the end of Generation X. But ultimately, I think our generation now as adults, all we really want to do is go play Pac-Man on a beach. Right. Like, yeah. We just like, let us do what we want. Like, we don't need anything else. The other generations can go fight it out and do whatever they need to do. We just want to have a good time. And that's, that's what this pod, that's what this podcast was created to do. Uh, I'm very proud of the community that we have because we do support each other. I want them to support you guys. Um, Thank you very much. Yeah, very, very much. Uh, it's been an honor having you guys on. Uh, for listeners out there, go to starjoes.com. That's where you can find episodes. You can email us at starjoespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can call and leave us a voicemail. It's 440-941-JOES. Uh, and you can leave us a voicemail. We'll play it on the air and respond to it. Uh, we're on Twitter, Star Joe's, uh, at Star Joe's, uh, podcast. We're on Instagram, Star Joe's, where you can find comic reviews that, of things that I'm reading. Uh, YouTube, uh, YouTube has returned and, uh, I've been doing YouTube comic reviews, uh, for Star Joe's stuff. And, uh, I believe there's been like 10 episodes out in the last couple weeks or few weeks. So go check that out. I found a nice format that makes it quick and easy for me to do comic reviews and get those uh get the youtube channel going so please go check that out as well um sounds like a great place to review our book absolutely (laughs) it's gonna happen so uh let's so uh but no it's it's uh so please go check all that stuff out uh you guys are awesome uh please support these guys uh i can't say that enough i know i've said it a thousand times but i'll say a thousand and one times so But with that, we'll go ahead and close the episode by saying the forces will be with you because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, everyone. Yo, Joe. Yo, Joe, indeed.